evidence and answers. Is your child a gamer? It is estimated that 80 to 90% of children and teens participate in video games. Many spend hours playing video games on their computers or smartphones. How do I know if my child is an addict? How do I develop healthy boundaries and discernment in the world of video games? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zugran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat and his guest, Drew Dixon, discuss the biblical principles to guide us in the world of video games. Now with part one of this interesting interview is our host, Pat. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the issues of today. Was well, your child a gamer? Most of our children love their video games, and many spend hours playing video games on their computers or smartphones. Video games are definitely addicting, and many parents are concerned about the amount of time their child is spending on video games. Is gaming a good thing, or does it contribute to more aggressive behavior, distortion of reality, and hindering children from developing socially. Well, it seems every child or teen is involved somehow in video games. And how do we teach our children healthy boundaries and discernment in the world of video games? Well, to help us on this issue is Drew Dixon. Drew is the chief content nerd for Love Thy Nerd and co-host of Humans of Gaming. He is also the editor of Explore Bible and co-hosts the weekly podcast for Christ and Pop Culture. Drew has written for Paste Magazine, Relevant Magazine, Christianity Today, World Magazine, and Think Christian. And so he's joining us from Nashville, Tennessee today. So, Drew, welcome to Evidence and Answers. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, Drew, tell us, you know, video gaming is a huge industry. How big is the video game industry, and what percentage of children and teens participate in video games? Sure. I think it's a massive industry, so it's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, and it's only grown since the pandemic. In fact, COVID was a big boost for things like video games and books, anything that we do indoors. And so, yeah, it's only grown in the last two years, and it's really been on a growth trajectory for a long time. And it's massively popular amongst young people. Teenagers, you know, anywhere between about 85 and 92% of teenagers play video games regularly on some level. Most Americans play video games regularly. About 220 million Americans play video games regularly. So that's like two thirds of our, you know, of our nation. So it's a huge deal. It's really something that we should be thinking carefully and thoughtfully about. And I think something that just about every parent deals with on some level and doesn't always know how to feel about that, which is really why I wrote my book. Yes. You know, video games before you had to go out and get a Nintendo set, uh, that's back when, you know, I was a teenager. But now you can readily access them almost on any computer or iPhone. And, you know, even as we mm -hmm. speak, new apps and new games are developing so rapidly. It's really picked up in volume and intensity, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's definitely just not something you really, I think if you're a parent, you just can't afford to, like, ignore video games, right? They're changing so fast. There's literally thousands of video games that come out each year. And so, yeah, if you don't have your finger on the pulse, if you're not willing to do a little bit of work to understand video games, I think they're going to be a sort. they're probably going to be a source of contention 
in your home, something that you fight with your kids about. So, yeah, I think it's really important that we start to develop some tools and understand them and, and make an effort to understand our kids, too, and why they are into the things that they're into. Yes, and we're talking about your book that's come out here, which I think is a great book, Know Thy Gamer. A great title, great book there. Now, when we're talking about video games, I mean, what exactly are video games? What do we mean when we say video games? Sure, sure. Well, video games are a type of game, and games are a form of play. And so in my book, I get into that distinction and kind of lay all that out there. But video games are an interactive, all play is interactive. Uh, We always play. You know, your input into the system is important in video games. So that's what distinguishes video games from other forms of media. So you watch a show, you read a book, but you play a video game. And so that's part of what makes them special and unique and kind of has to do with how we, we interact with them. And so, yeah, anything I think that's digital that you play, that's the simplest definition. Anything that's digital and you play it and it requires your input into into the system, that's what, what I define as a video game. Some people would debate <laughs> the finer points of that, but I think that's a pretty fair definition. Yes. Now, you know, I think what might surprise a lot of people is you've got a chapter here on the benefit of video games. I mean, what, are there any good aspects of video games, many people are asking? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's lots. I think it's important to develop kind of a, a theology of creation as Christians. Like, we need to understand that the world that we live in is, is not holistically evil. There's a lot of really good and wonderful things about this world that we live in. And we remember that when God created everything, he declared everything that he made to be good. And so... You know, when we look out at creation, you know, when we look at something like video games, we shouldn't expect them to all be, like, horribly awful, right? There's some beautiful and good things about them. So some examples of that would be, now, of course, they're broken, too. Just like anything in creation, it has tremendous potential. The things that we humans build and create have wonderful potential. I mean, technology. Uh, or think about something like drugs is a good example. Drugs can be horribly abused, in the ways that are destructive, but like penicillin is a drug, right? And antibiotics are drugs, and they're used to save people's lives and, and to alleviate people's pain in significant ways. So I think video games are the same thing. They're, they have tremendous potential for good, and then we as human beings are really good at figuring out ways to use them in ways that actually cause harm. And so we need to sort of know that going in, that we're going to find good here, we're going to find bad. So, but yeah, you asked about some examples of some good things. Teamwork. Most of the time when kids play games these days, they're playing with other people and they're learning teamwork and creative problem solving. They're socializing with other people a lot of times when they play video games. They're educational. They're learning resilience and perseverance because, you know, usually when you play a game, you're going to fail quite a bit before you figure out how to win. And so video games can train us to be more resilient, uh, to persevere and figure out how to solve problems. We learn how to win and lose. So you know, they can teach us humility. They can teach us empathy. Get, video games give us an opportunity to experience life in someone else's shoes sometimes. So it's, they can give us a window into the experience of others, which is really important as fathers of Jesus, that we learn how to, like, feel for other people and get a sense of what their, their lives might be like so we can love them better. So that's just a quick sample, but there's lots of things we could talk about that are potential good things that come out of, that can come out of video games. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned early on in that chapter is, you know, the biblical theology of play or that, you know, video games 
are fun. And really, there's nothing really unspiritual about play or fun time. Uh, tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, well, there's been lots of research done on how wonderful play is. For us, it's really important for childhood development, but it's also really good for adults. It's good for our brains. It keeps us feeling young, you know, as adults even. And I think, too, we see some elements of play in the creation story. Play is fun and enjoyable, right? And I think what we see in Genesis 1 is God enjoying what he's made. You know, after he creates everything, he says, it's good. And so I think play in its most purest form is good. It's not, it's not something that we do to make money or to produce services or goods. Play is something we do for enjoyment. And God commanded us in creation even, right, to take a day where we don't produce anything, where we don't work. And so I think that's a picture of, of how we're to live. Yes, we're supposed to give so much of our life to working hard for the betterment of the world and the betterment of the people around us, for the good of our neighbors. But we're also to take a day where we rest and we recover. And I think play can be a part of how we do that. I think there's a connection between play and rest. And so, yeah, I think play can be really beautiful and good. I think there's almost no parent that doesn't see their kid like playing a really fun and imaginative game on the playground and and, and doesn't look at that and say, oh, that's that's wonderful. Like when I see my kids playing harmoniously <laughs> on the playground, I love it. It's such a wonderful and beautiful thing. And we're promised a future, by the way, too, where we'll play. You know, the prophets speak of a, a time when we'll play, children will play in the streets of a renewed Jerusalem. So the new heavens and the new earth will be full of play, I think, and the right kind of play, you know. There's ways we can play that are harmful and destructive, but that's not the way we'll play in, in heaven, you know. So anyway, but the fact that there's play in heaven tells us that it's part of, I think it's part of God's plan of redemption is to restore play. And so it should be part of our lives in the here and now where we're, where we're living in the, the already, not yet, you know, waiting for, while the king has come, but we're waiting for his return. We ought to play in ways that are redemptive and good and try to recover like a healthy view of play, I think. Yeah. Now, some of the things you talk about regarding the good in video games, you mentioned some of them, beauty, community, education. Let's just talk a little bit about that some more. What do you mean by there's beauty in video games? Sure. I mean, they're products of people made in the image of God. And so, yeah, I think there's something really like, for lack of a better word, just astonishing or, or captivating, you know, about playing, going into a video game world and exploring it for the first time, especially one that's been, you know, well-designed. So the first time someone plays Minecraft or the first time somebody plays The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you're exploring this beautiful space that's been carefully and thoughtfully crafted and created. And uh, you have a sense of agency in this world. And so you feel like you can make a difference in this world. There's an analog to the human experience with that. You know, we've been given, we've been placed in this beautiful world. And of course, we know it's a world that's corrupted, but it's also a world that has, that has potential. And it's a world that God is in the business of redeeming. So yeah, there's artistically video games can be beautiful they can also tell beautiful stories a lot of times when we play video games we're 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 the good guys we're saving the world we're making the lives of people better we're standing up for the for the cause of the innocent and fighting against oppressors and there's something beautiful about those kinds of stories where we're doing something to protect and to guide and to make the world a better place to bring order right which is what god does in creation he brings order to chaos and I think that's <laughs> a little bit of what we often are tasked with doing in, in video games. And so, yeah, there's, there's some really 
important analog link for us to see there. Yeah, and you state that video games tell a story. How is it that it's telling a story and we end up participating in that story? Yeah, yeah. So video games are different from other media in that they tell their story through play. So they're not traditional narratives where you just read the story or watch the story unfold in a film. But we as players, whoever's playing, combine or participates in the story. So the story of the video game is not just, hey, we're saving, you know, we're saving this town from their oppressors or we're saving the princess or whatever, like in Mario. The story is also like the process you went through as the player to get to that point. So it's all the failures and all the triumphs and all the variables that came in. And so game makers will even talk about emergent narrative. And what they mean by that is some people who make games feel like they don't even really know what story a player is going to experience when they play their game. Even though they designed it, right, they don't know completely what that story is going to be because every player's experience is going to be a little bit different. And the more um, complicated and intricate uh, a video game is, like the more different possibilities there are, there are for what the player's experience is going to be. So there's some really cool things about that. Like that provides some really unique opportunities for unique narrative ex story experiences. Um, there's also some things to be, you know, I think to be concerned about as parents or as far as Jesus. But there's good there, too. And I think, you know, again, we need to develop a vocabulary to see both the good and the bad and to help our kids parse those things. Yes. And we're going to be talking about some of those dangers, but we're focusing on the good right now. And you also talked about community. Now, most people think, you know, if my kid's on video games, he's not interacting with anyone. And most of the people that get involved in video games, they're kind of the loner type of kids. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you mean? They build community that it's social and interactive. Yeah, yeah, I think it's actually kind of a, a misnomer that video games are socially isolating because everything we do now is online when it comes to video games pretty much. Like there are some games that are offline completely, but even games that are like single player, a lot of times you're still connected to your friends in some way. Um, like they're seeing your high score or they're like checking in on you while you're playing. You know, so so games are very social these days. They're very they're a big part of how students, teenagers, um, kids, how they socialize. So it's a hyper connected world now. And of course, like you need to look at that and go like, well, I'd rather my kids be playing on the playground outside with their friends. And I agree. I think play on the playground is like a pure a purer form of play, a more impactful form of play. But at the same time, we also need to remember there's a lot of people that live in places where it's not really safe to go play on the playground. Not everybody lives in a space where a safe playground is accessible. So video games make play more accessible. They make uh, all the benefits of play something we can just like turn the TV on and immediately, or, or pull out your phone and immediately like get into that space. So they're not nearly as socially isolating as we used to think. Kids who are playing these games, a lot of times kids are building real relationships and friendships, like significant ones a lot of times through their time on video games. And I'd also like, say to parents like you need to make sure that you encourage your kids to have friends that they spend time with in real life like face to face i think that's really important we should not just like please don't hear me saying like just turn your kids over to video games and let them let that be the way that they socialize i don't think you should do that i don't think that's healthy but it's not nearly as isolating as we've as we've often thought now you also talk about an education and development aspect to video games you know, many of us see that as just kind of a empty time or, or just, you know, a waste of time, really. But you said there's an education and development aspect to this. Tell us about that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so playing video games helps us develop critical thinking and problem-solving skills. I think video games can help us be happier, more productive people. Usually when you play a video game, you're winning or you're learning how to win. And so, you know, they can teach us resilience. But every time we play a game, we're learning something about ourselves or about the world or even just about the game itself. And they can give us insights into different cultures because video games are a global phenomenon. They're created by people all over the world and translated into our language. So, yeah, so when you play a video game, you're learning. And also when you play video games with other people, you're learning important things about how to win and how to lose. And hopefully if we're Christian parents, we're helping our kids as they, as they win and lose learn how to win graciously and lose <laughs> gracious with humility, you know. But they can also expose us and force us to admit unhealthy attitudes or preconceived notions we have about ourselves or others. You know, I think video games can teach us empathy. There's a lot of lessons we can learn from playing them if we'll be more thoughtful in the way that we play and the way that we talk about what we're playing with our kids. Yes, and you also mentioned that there's learning of truth through video games. Most of us see video games as kind of a distortion of reality here, but you say there's an element of truth learning here. Tell us about that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, again, like video games are made by people made in the image of God, and so human beings are not as broken as we could be, right? We all reflect the, by nature being human, we reflect something of the glory of God uh, just by existing. So we should expect the creations, the products of people made in God's image to reflect something of God's glory. So an example of that might be how so often in video games we're fighting for the good of the world. You know, we're we're standing up for the cause of the downtrodden and so forth. Like, you know, uh, we're doing good in video games. Or games, video games present us with opportunities to make moral decisions. You know, they present us with, with moral decisions and ask us what we're going to do in those kind of situations. And so those are all opportunities for us to learn, right? And reflect something of, of, God's, of God's truth, I think. Yes, and I think that's the unique aspect of your book here is that you talk about some of the benefits of video games, you know, if, you know, with proper guidance and boundaries, it can be beneficial for the uh, young person here. But now you also mention about some of the dangers. Like you said, anything in excess or abused can be dangerous. So what are some of the dangers of gaming? Uh, give us a brief overview, and then maybe we'll get into a little more specifics here. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot that parents are pretty aware of. The big ones that parents are concerned about these days, I think, are addiction. They worry that their kids play so much that it might become unhealthy. I think they're also worried about violence. You know, there's a lot of violence in video games, and we still have these fears about if I let my kid play a video game, or video games, like, are they going to be aggressive, violent people? I think another problem that's less prevalent now than it used to be, but it is still a problem, is that video games can kind of be misogynistic. They can depict men in really heroic ways, and then they can depict women in really, like, over, overly sexualized ways, in ways that are not, like, very realistic and not, certainly not, like, presenting a picture of femininity that is very empowering to a lot of young women. So, so yeah, those are the things that I cover in my book the most. Yes. Tell us in this aspect regarding violence. Do violent, you know, there's a lot of violent video games out there, and so do violent video games make my child more aggressive. We're hearing about these uh, school shootings and a lot of these kids were addicted to these kinds of violent video games. Is there a, a connection there that we have found in 
numerous medical and psychological studies? No, I mean, the short answer is that there really isn't. There have been studies that have shown that there's some correlation between violent video games and feelings of aggression, but it's sort of like the same. Most of the research there is sort of is the idea of like when you watch a violent movie, the part of your brain that's stimulated when you watch that violent movie is the same part of your brain that's stimulated when you play a violent video game. When you read a book that has a violent content in it, which, you know, I think we need to remember, like the Bible has quite a bit of violence in it. And yes. None of us would say we shouldn't read it. So, so yeah, it's really, I think, and, and in fact, you know, if you look at the evidence of school shooters, most school shooters are just acts of mass violence. Shoot, any of the shooters, most of them don't play video games. And so, you know, I think there have been some examples of ones that did, and so we fly to the, you know, to the, the worst conclusion. But, yeah, I don't think that video games are the culprit for our culture's obsession with violence. That said, what I think we see is that video games are a product. The reason video games are violent in part is because we live in a, a culture that's fascinated, that's already fascinated with violence. And so when I say video games are not the culprit, I'm not saying just let your kid play whatever, not saying that at all. I think we should be very careful about as parents about what we let our kids play and that we make sure that they're playing things that are age appropriate. I do think violent video games have some impact on kids. I don't think it's true that like that's the reason why we're seeing the reason why there was a, a shooting at the University of Virginia recently or something. That's it's not nearly that simple. And and I don't think video games are really the culprit there. But we should be really careful about what we let our kids play. Yes, and you also talked about addiction. How do I know if my kid is addicted or if it's just kind of just a healthy interest in video games? When does it reach the point sure. of addiction? Right, right. Well, um, there's a whole host of, of attributes that you have to look for to know if, you're, if your child is clinically addicted. So, and that has to be observed over a period of time. So I think we need to be careful about calling our kids addicted you know, because they, they're probably, most kids are pro- something around like less, 1% or so of gamers would be, would fit the definition of like clinically addicted. Oh, wow. That said, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be concerned mm-hmm. about our kids, but, but we need to be careful about using that term because it is a, it is a medical term that we need to be careful about. But that said, you know, if your kid is uninterested in doing anything else, but play video games constantly, if they're getting, if they're angry all the time, if they're angry anytime they're not playing a video game, those are reasons not necessarily to label them as addicts, but to step in and give them help, to step in and provide some boundaries. And I think just about every kid needs boundaries around video games. There's the rare kid out there that has so many different interests and hobbies, but they're never going to be that into video games. You know, they might play video games for 30 minutes and then they want to go outside and play soccer. There are some rare kids that don't, that are that way, that are just never going to be super into them. But most kids need boundaries because a lot of games are designed to keep us coming back. You know, everything in our culture is designed to keep us coming back. That's the way things are marketed to us these days. We live in an attention economy. Everybody wants our attention. And so as followers of Jesus, I think we need to be careful about who we let have our attention and how much of our attention we give to things like video games and social media and TV. Yeah. In your book, you talk about the average young person spends about one to three hours a day on video games, but any more than, I mean, more than three hours, you're saying that 
is an area that we should really start paying attention when we're spending more than three hours a day. Is that kind of a good general guideline that you're given here? Yeah, I mean, the benefits of video games that I talked about earlier, those all become much less helpful when you play for more than three hours a day. Once again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Have you been to our website lately? That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule an apologetics conference at your church or location, give him a call in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcast like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, you can head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. That's honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Yeah.